BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host, Sif, and I'm the founder of Array. Today's conversation is with Lainey Crowell, founder of Say Beauty, a clean makeup brand that's dedicated to making safer, high-performance products that are elevated, effortless, and easy to use. Lainey is an industry veteran who worked at Estee Lauder prior to launching her own website, The Moment, and then Say Beauty. We get into all of that during today's interview. Over the last year or so, I've become increasingly interested in clean beauty, especially brands that are disrupting the space with truly incredible products and packaging that actually speaks to people like myself. Beauty and wellness are so closely linked, and over time, I've started to realize that what goes on our skin in the form of makeup is actually going inside of our skin. So as someone who is really particular about what I'm ingesting, I started to really care about what was in my beauty products. I can't say that I use clean brands 100% of the time, but I've been making an active effort to switch over to clean beauty when I can. And brands like Say that give me the same experience as a traditional counterpart with seriously impressive products make it so easy to make the switch. If you're curious about clean makeup, and you should be because I really do think it's the future, this is an awesome episode to tune into. Lainey gives us a whole breakdown on clean beauty. We also chat about entrepreneurship, launching a brand, raising money, and so much more. So with that, let's welcome Lainey to the Dream Bigger podcast. Um, okay, so in terms of the questions you've seen, it's like a skeleton, essentially. So it's really like a like a just a talk with girlfriends basically is how I like to explain it if we need to take something out we absolutely can um hey Izzy by the way I didn't even get a chance to say hi (laughs) hi sorry I was just um a second late and then just listening to you guys thank you so much for this opportunity thank you I'm so happy we were able to make it happen um yeah I'm like super excited me too Lainey it's so wild by the way yeah, because, me like, too. As you know, like it's so hard to find any time to connect with people when you're this busy. So like the fact that we have to be recording a podcast to hang out is that's fine. Great. It's fine. It's like it's a two a, a bird two with one. one yeah, two and one. <laughs> two yeah. birds with one stone. Um it's crazy though. I was telling Izzy when she initially reached out that I had been like like every year I have like like an ongoing list of podcast guests I want to talk to and you were on that list. And so she had reached out and I was like, this is crazy. I was going to reach out to you guys. And so it just worked out nicely. I love stuff like that. 
meant definitely to be. meant to be for sure. Okay, so let's get into the questions. I'll record your intro after. Um, but first things first, I want to know about your background. So what were you doing before say? Yeah, so I started my career in fashion magazines. Um, I've always been obsessed with editorial, storytelling, um, curation. And when I, from, I don't mean, I remember buying my first magazine, I think when I was in probably fourth or fifth grade, I got in so much trouble. I got the Allure magazine with Amber Valletta on the cover. And my dad was like, I don't think it's appropriate for you to be reading this. And, and you know, I, I collected magazines. I, I bought them everywhere I went. We, my family, we traveled a lot um, growing up because my mom was a diplomat. And so uh, magazines were just always my love. And I moved to New York not knowing a single person, um, but figured out how to get in. And a lot of it was through luck. I ran into Kim France, the CEO, uh, CEO, the editor-in-chief of Lucky Magazine when I was at Banana Republic um, or J. Crew, I can't remember, but one of those two, and um, introduced myself. And she got me my first job. I was worked in the fashion news department. And, um, and I loved it. But it was at this really funny time when um, websites, social media, all of that stuff was just being born and was was starting. Um, and you know, the, I, I saw that transition happening. Um, and I didn't want to be left behind in the print world. So I ended up going to a startup and working on that site from before it launched. And that was like basically boot camp for me. Like I learned how to build wireframes. I remember when Twitter launched. Um, you know, we, I went from working three months out to publishing blog posts in a day. Um, it was, you know, it was the digital world. And so I had always been on the editorial side until I got a call from Estee Lauder. And um, I had a friend who worked there and she said, look, like we're hiring all these digital positions. You've always, you've been so ahead of this. Um, I, you know, why don't you have a conversation? And they literally sent me a list of like 40 jobs and they were like, choose what you want. And I identified two positions. Um, but the one I really wanted was content creator at Bobby Brown. And I went into HR and I said, this makes perfect sense. You know, I um, love content creation. I love storytelling, I'm a big fan of the brand. And she was like, no, I think you should take this job at Estee Lauder, the brand. And um, it was, I was there for five years and I led all of their content creation. Um, I started their influencer marketing department. I started all their social media channels. I think the only channel they were on was Facebook when I went. So we launched um, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat, all of it. Um, and then I eventually started their kind of online magazine 
which really married all of those things, the social, the content, the influencers. And yeah, it was fantastic. It was like getting my MBA. So then you were there for five years. What made you decide that you wanted to leave? Well, almost probably like after being there for a year or two years, I started really not feeling well. And that was when I started this journey into wellness and trying to feel better, feel good. Um, this was before wellness was a thing. There wasn't any wellness bloggers. Like it was just very nascent um, kind of, I'm going to say industry, but like almost more like topic or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I already knew how, you know, I already ate at Whole Foods. I ate organic, but I, I didn't know what foods were right for me. So I first started with nutrition and then I um, dove into the world of meditation um, and then I started learning about the products that were going on my body. And once you learn that, you can't, you can't unlearn it. <laughs> and I felt like working at Estee Lauder, it just didn't marry with my, um, my interests at that point. You know, I really was spending my whole life um, living this extremely clean lifestyle. So it didn't make sense to be working at a company that didn't align with those things. Um, and I left not knowing what I wanted to do, but I had this like overall um, idea about beauty being better. And I was like, I love beauty. I, women love beauty. It's something that's so special to us. It only makes sense that it should be good for us, mm-hmm. you know, on every level, like, you know, um, mother earth, um, our, our bodies, our children, all of it, um, our minds, like, you know, from looking at images that make us feel, that make us feel good. And, um, so I left and I started a blog just because as I mentioned, like I love creating and, um, it was really just kind of like a place to have this journey with my community. And so I started it talking about recipes, um, talking, interviewing founders, and immediately my community was the most interested in beauty. And I mean, we had beauty companies sending us products from the day we launched the blog. And, um, I was getting like, you know, 10, 20 boxes a day from different brands. So eventually I made a beauty closet in my apartment. It had all these different bins in it. And each bin was labeled like body, hair, skin, um, ingestibles, bath, you know, color. And the color bin was empty. All the other bins were like overflowing with products. And that was really like when I had that um, aha moment was when I could physically saw this, um, that there just wasn't any makeup in the space. And to me, makeup is the fun part. And I went on Instagram 
and actually asked my community, like, what's the deal? Like, why is there no makeup? And people, like, I ended up having the conversation to like two o'clock in the morning, just DMing back and forth with people because they were, everyone was so passionate about it. They were like, here's what works. Here's what doesn't work. This product's awesome. Here's the product you should make. Um, here's, you know, here's the problem. It's all too expensive. I've been getting everything for free. I didn't, hadn't bought makeup in years because I've been working at Estee Lauder. Before that, I was an editorial. My best friend worked, was a beauty editor. I hadn't really paid attention to the price point. Um, and then when I started looking into it, I was like, oh, wow, like this is really nuts. Like some of these brands are at the same price as Tom Ford. So um, that was really like how, say, came to be was through that that journey that blog and then that conversation so interesting and i mean i really do feel like we are in a place where and this is like actually like a recent thing that you know brands like say you're addressing is that why should women have to choose between what makes them feel like happy like you know like when it comes to makeup or even even in the wellness category obviously like very similar journey with array as well but like and something that like when they interact with the packaging and you know like they want a luxe experience but it's also not something that's like hundreds and hundreds of dollars like i mean i think like people are just done choosing so yeah. and like the other thing is that like also in the beauty industry up until like pretty recently, like my mom has always been into like clean beauty. So she mm -hmm. would for like years, okay, like years and years, she would buy these makeup products and everything looked like, ugh, like, I don't want to use that. It doesn't make me feel really excited to open the packaging. It was just like very... I don't know, like I want to say basic, whereas like I'd go to Sephora and anytime I was picking up like just a, a regular beauty product there, it's like this really exciting experience. So I love that you're addressing that. Yeah. And I actually had an experience where I literally felt that exact, um, that having to make that compromise. Like I was like, oh, I want to be getting that product, but I'm choosing this one because I know it's good for me and I don't want to have to make that compromise. And that's one thing we talk about a lot at say is that no compromises. And, you know, you know, women get it when you say like, I got butterflies. And like, that's what I want to create with say is where you get that butterfly effect of like, oh my gosh, um, I, I can't wait to open it or I can't wait to, to go in there or I can't wait to try this on. And, and that's, you know, the beauty of, of it all. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like beauty impacts people in such a deep way because it really is one of those things that like, I don't know, like if I put on a little bit of makeup, it's not that I don't feel great without makeup, but when I put it on, it's like my time to experiment and like, it's like a little bit of self-care, you know? So it's this like really exciting experience and it's nice to have products available that allow you to have that experience without feeling like, oh wait, like, should I really be putting this on my skin, you know? So I think it's awesome. Um, what was the R&D process behind launching say like how long did it take you what was what was this whole thing like 
So it probably, we took about two years before we launched. Um, the first hire that I did was for our um, head of product development, which is very unusual. So in beauty, you know, you work with um, labs and at those labs, they have product developers, they have chemists. So a lot of people will go to one lab and they'll work with them on all of their products and they'll rely on the product developers that they have. But having worked at the biggest beauty company in the world, I knew the importance of having that in-house product developer to make everything really, really great. And I had no interest in making anything that wasn't um, incredible. Um, so my first hire was our head of product development and she started working immediately. She got what I was talking about um, from the moment we, we talked. I had known her from when I was at Estee Lauder. She had also um, left um, with the, all she wanted to work on was clean, which I had no idea about when I called her. Um, so when I called her and we chatted, she was like, yep, got it. Like I'm in. And so we started work immediately. Um, you know, one of the differences in how we work is that we develop each one of our products at the best place to develop that product, which it was kind of new to me when I was learning about beauty. Um, but like, you know, there's labs in Germany that are make the best um, pencils, anything that's a pencil, an eyeliner, a brow pencil, a lip liner, they make the best pencils. Um, same thing with other different types of products. So we have a much more complicated supply chain because of that in the sense that um, we go to where each for the best of the best in each category. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, uh, cool and very complicated. I can imagine. But funny story is that like our first, like first person we worked with was also our formulator. And like, we have the same thing where we have like someone formulating in house because we felt the same way that like, even with wellness, yeah. we didn't just want to work with a lab and like, you know, whoever was working within that lab, like we wanted to hire someone who was like really the best of the best with like supplement formulation and like really creating those products that work and having experience also on the ground with like patients too. So I think that that's, that's really interesting. But I, and I don't think people realize how unusual it is, but I do think like when you think about, like remember when we did that call with Baba, um, that panel, like you had people like stopping the conversation to be like, okay, I just have to say your supplements have changed the game. And you know, I have people DMing me on Instagram all the time being like, I will never use another mascara. Like I don't even care about clean and I will only use your mascara. And I think that's how you get to that holy grail status is having that, um, is making that investment. Yeah, for sure. Because like you're, you're, I, like, I really do think that the talent that you hire, like really defines who you are as a company. And like, you know, in, for both of us, like we're, we're in product businesses, right. And like ingestibles and beauty. And I feel like if 
like hiring someone who's the best at what they do in this field and like helping you get to that formulation, which is perfect. That's like, that's really what you need to differentiate yourself. And like, even what you're saying about a mascara, like the thing is that that is really the beauty of like a great clean product where it's like, you don't care if it's clean, like you're going to use it even if just because it's the best of the best. And that's always been my goal for say is it just being the best of the best and that it doesn't matter what anyone's looking for, they're going to be purchasing it. Um, and I think that's how you really end up making the difference and, and really shifting the industry. A hundred percent. So, you know, our, sorry, just one example, cause this mm-hmm. thing came out of this morning, our tinted moisturizer, which um, has become our best seller. It is, so packed with good ingredients because when you're formulating clean you don't really have any other option than using like you know really great ingredients and so it has all these um face oils and serums and these really like superhero ingredients on it and um i was applying it this morning and i was like god it's such a relief to be able to use this and it just be my skincare like, I don't even have to think about putting on makeup because this is all I have to do. It's so hydrating. And it's almost like I can't even imagine why you would do anything else at this point. Well, you like, know, why Lainey, foundation that's, that's the, full of yep. not good stuff. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because my entire, like, I've been a big skincare junkie my like for for as long as I can remember really like the entirety of my adult life like I'm obsessed with serums like I really like getting into the nitty-gritty of ingredients and you know I I had this thing for a long time where I would have these really elaborate skincare routines and then I would put on like I'd always second guess myself when I was putting on my makeup because I was like wait is this all for nothing like did I just go through that trouble of the skincare and then put something on my face which I know isn't like the best for me you know and I think it's incredible that like you know brands like say are addressing that you know you're you're literally addressing my exact concern which is like oh I don't really want to put that on my face I still I want the judge but I don't want to do it while like maybe putting something that is going inside of my body from my pores which isn't doing me any favors well I think what you mentioned earlier about it being like a little moment of self-care I think that's how a lot of women approach makeup is that it is that little moment of me time and you know you don't really think about it but you're also you know touching your face in ways that you don't touch otherwise right you end up having like massage moments when you're putting your tinted moisturizer and even you know touching that part of your eyelid when else does that get touched you know um, so it is really a moment of self-care and to have products that um, aren't supporting that is just doesn't even make sense. Yeah, 100%. So when it comes to specific ingredients, like I know that clean beauty is still kind of like not everyone understands it. I think that there's still a lot of like confusion around it. So I think first and foremost, for someone maybe who's new to this world and like maybe just looking to explore, why do you even think that someone should consider switching over to, into clean beauty? Well, our skin absorbs 73% of what we put on it. So I think 
being conscious of what you're putting on your skin is really important to help you feel your best. And, you know, if you're putting stuff on your skin that um, is difficult for your body to process um, or affects your hormones um, is obviously not a good thing. So, um, you know, not to say you have to um, only eat plant-based organic, um, you know, oil-free, salt-free 100% of the time. Like, no, like there's a balance of everything in life. Um, you know, there are moments when I put on a NARS lipstick, but you know, you want to be eating clean and well 80 plus percent of the time so that you can really feel good. Same thing with beauty. Um, you know, choosing cleaner is just going to help support your body, um, feel its best. Yeah. I love that. Um, what are some of the ingredients in conventional beauty products that we should look out for? I mean, there's so many. Um, I think that the one, there's two that I, I talk about a lot. Um, you know, petroleum is an ingredient that is almost impossible to get out of formulations. Um, and there's a lot of people that go back and forth about whether or not this product is good or bad for you. Um, you know, we have it out of all of our formulations, like 99.9% of the time. Um, well, petroleum 100% of the time, but like there's then petroleum derived and def um, petroleum diffused, like all these different types of things that come from petroleum. Um, but at the end of the day, you can think about it like petroleum is what sits at like the bottom of the oil belt oil barrel that you then use to make plastic out of like does that make sense to be putting on your skin does that make sense to be supporting even as an industry with how our climate is no so um i we spend a lot of time at say um making sure that we have zero to you know 0.01 percent of petroleum derived ingredients in our products um and then the other one is silicone. So silicone is something that I used to have really bad skin. Uh, I suffered from acne growing up, um, terrible like cystic acne. And I didn't re realize like what the cause of it was until I eliminated silicones from the products that I was using. So, you know, that's, one thing that if you're struggling with your skin is I think a really important thing to look for. Um, but then also on top of that, um, understanding what silicone is. So, you know, it's a plastic. Um, it also doesn't biodegrade. So it never goes away. So when you use a foundation that has silicones in it, which most traditional foundations do, um, you wash your face and um, it, it, silicones can't get absorbed into your skin. They're too big. Um, you wash your face, but it, and it goes down the drain and it never, ever leaves our water system. So eventually it's in our ocean. Our fishes are, are eating and drinking it. Um, so that's the other one that I think both for your body, but then also for the planet, you know, you want to be looking out for and avoiding. That is wild. 
also, I would have never known that you suffered from acne at all. Like your skin is incredible. Like it is so clear and glowy. Um, you know, switching to clean was a game changer for me with my skin. I, my skin just keeps getting better and better. I, I've heard it so many times, like even I was, I was on another podcast and I was speaking to the interviewer and she said the exact same thing that like she had been breaking out for years. She couldn't understand why. And then she essentially threw out all her beauty products and decided to buy all clean switched over. And she's like, I couldn't believe what it did to my face. Like I, like she was just like in full disbelief. It's wild. It's so wild, but it makes perfect sense. Right. You know, like you're putting, stuff on your skin that's irritant, irritating, it's clogging your pores. Um, you know, so much of acne is hormonal. So crazy. So yeah. I want to get into like a little bit of the business side of things because, so I, I know that there is no such thing as an overnight success, but I feel like, you know, for someone on the outside, they would probably think that like, oh, say is definitely an overnight success. Because like, even for me, from like a consumer standpoint, one day I had never heard of say, and then the next, it was just everywhere. So like two part question here. The first is to bust this myth of the overnight challenge or the overnight um, success. What was a significant challenge that you went through? I mean, every day is a significant challenge, I would say. Um, You know, I think what's really, really crazy for me to think about is the fact that Say has pretty much only existed in a pandemic. I mean, we launched three months before COVID hit. So when I say like, all we know is a challenge, I mean exactly that. (laughs) It's like, you know, we, you know, and don't forget COVID hit in the U.S. three months after it was in China. And, you know, we have the the majority of um, post-consumer recycled plastic, which is what we focus on in a lot of our products, comes from China. Um, That's where all the recycling facilities are. So I don't know if you know this, but a lot of the recycling in the world happens in China. They then take that recycled plastic and make that into new components. Um, so, you know, we try not to use any virgin plastic um, and as little as possible when we do. And so a lot of our components come from China. So immediately after we launched, I, um, you know, had to face our factories closing. Um, so, Yeah. I think that the way I think about it is actually a quote from, oh gosh, I forget, the founder of Shake Shack who said, um, business is problems. That, that just is what it is. So you can either be super frustrated all day, every day, or you can enjoy them. And I even go a step further and like, I feel blessed to have them. You know, I'm so blessed to, to have, um, to be able to work at and on say, um, and as a result of that, there are problems and that's just is what it is. It's so funny that you say that, um, because 
my dad told me the same thing. Like one day we were just dealing with something really major and I called him and he has his own business. And I called him and I was like, just like so frustrated and venting. And he's like, listen, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you just have to get used to this because this is your life. Like this is what I have done my entire life. And the bigger your company gets, the more problems you're going to have. So just like, like if you are an entrepreneur, this is like, you have to enjoy this because this is part of your job. Yeah. And, and if you didn't have a company, you wouldn't have those problems, but like how lucky and happy are you to have your company? So yeah. It's such a shift in perspective. I was like, wait a minute, you're so right. So that's, I mean, that's insane though about the factories closing. Like I, oh my gosh, like, wow. And, it was, and then, so then we have, you know, a lot of our formula is made for different formulas are made in Italy. So it's like China. Oh my gosh. <laughs> then the US, you know, so it's like, it's all, it's, it's, it's all I've known. And I think that at the end of the day, it's just going to make us so much stronger because we have, dealt with things that you know no one had ever dealt with before and navigated it and still had such an incredible first year in business. Um, and yeah, as we were talking about before we just launched at Sephora, I missed yeah. all of that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's insane. I think that any business owner who's like, you know, had like a great time or, you know what, even survived through COVID, like yeah. it, this, the strength you have to have and the resilience, it is, it's insanity. Like even for us, I mean, we really had like our hard launch in February of 2020 and like a month later, everything shut down. And I remember like, you know, we, we ship out from Canada and going to my post office and the guy being like, well, we can't actually ship the, we, we don't know if it's going to go across the border. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's not going to go across the border. Like, what does that mean? But you no know, one knew anything. No one knew yeah. anything. It's just like, can you give me answers? And it's like, no one knows answers. So, I mean, we, we rode through the whole thing and now it's just like, well, hit me harder. Totally. It's like, what's next? And like, I was, I think it can only get better from here and we're going to be everyone um, who survived this is just going to be so primed for um, an incredible, I think, 2022. Yeah, I think so too. So moving on to, I guess, like uh, like a non-challenge question, if you are to give an advice to a founder who's about to launch their brand, how would you recommend they make a splash? Good question. Well, I think you should play to your strengths. You know, I, um, and you should know what your strengths are. You should be really clear about it. Um, I know that my strengths are in um, my network, um, building communities um, and social media and marketing. And so that was what I did. and that was what I focused on. Um, and you know, that worked for us for sure. Um, and you know, if I had, if I was really great at digital marketing and growth marketing, I would have, um, I would have done something different and, and focus more on my digital ads or, 
you know, you can take it whatever direction your strength mm -hmm. is in, but being clear on it and um, focusing on it. And also I think continuing to ask yourself what's next, like never just checking off a box and being like, okay, like we have our social posts done, check. Okay, we have our influencer boxes going out, check. My, my reaction is like, okay, we, we figured out our Instagram posts. Okay, great. Now what's on stories, reels, TikTok, Pinterest. Okay, great. Now what can we do on top of that? What we can do on other people's channels. Um, okay, great. How can we layer on giveaways? Okay, next, next, next. How do you make it bigger, bigger, bigger? Um, it's not just about checking off a box. A hundred percent. Such, such important advice. And like, yeah, I mean, I think that that's really, really invaluable because I don't think it ever ends. It's, it's never just like a box complete. It's always like more and more and more and more and more and like improve, improve, improve. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about raising money because I feel like we just don't hear about it from a woman's perspective enough. So what was the whole process like for you? Really hard. Um, I think raising money is possibly one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Um, I had never, I didn't have any experience in it at all. Um, I didn't come from that world. Um, I didn't even have a person to call that like I knew to, that could help me. Um, what I did was I made a list of people who I felt like could maybe connect me to somebody else. It was just a list of people um, who I could reach out to. And so I started that process with probably like only like five names on the list. And I just kept growing it and growing it. And they were really simple questions. It was like, hey, I know that you've raised money or you know somebody who's raised money. Could you connect me with that person? Um, and just asking for 15 minute calls. And um, you, know, you have to be really bold. You have to swallow, swallow your pride. Um, but I did it. <laughs> and, um, and I remember when I first started, I, I felt so uncomfortable asking for a connection to somebody else. And now I don't even care. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? It'd be like, Hey, um, you know, I know you worked with this person. Can you connect me? Fine. Um, and, and then it was just a lot of no's and having that perseverance to get up and keep going, which I think is probably the hardest part for anybody is that perseverance and resilience um, and getting up over and over and over again and taking no over and over and over again. And I remember telling myself, like, you just have to get up one more time, every time, just one more, just one more. And that each time you get up is one more time than somebody else is getting up. And then eventually you'll get there. And I honestly believe, <laughs> which I don't know if this is true, but I, I really do believe that I don't know if it comes down to anything else other than you being able to get up more times than the next person. I don't, I don't know if it has, I don't think it has to do with how great your idea is. I don't think it has to do with how smart you are. Um, I think that if you keep going long enough, you'll be able to get whatever you want. I love that. And it's so true. I think that resilience and the 
ability to kind of let go of your pride are two very big things when it comes to entrepreneurship. Like I feel the exact same way. And I think that these are just like two, like such important traits. And it's, it's also like a practice thing, right? Because it's not like getting told no, or like have someone like rain on your parade is ever a fun experience, but it's just about knowing that, no, like if I persevere through this, like I'm going to get there. And also realizing that if it's a no, it's just a no. Right. But then if you never ask, if you never try, then like, you won't even know, like that, that's worse than a no. You know what I mean? Totally. It's worse than a no. And I think learning how to take a no and turn it into fire is really important. And I would remind myself every time I got told no, I was like, okay, great. I'm going to show you. Thank you. Thank you for telling me no, because I needed that boost of energy. And I'm just going to take that and turn it around into more um, firepower for me and to keep going. A hundred percent. Yeah. You need that. Like, that's like your fuel because otherwise like it kind of like, I don't know, like makes you feel, and some days, you know, you do feel kind of down, but like others, it's like you, you got to use it and just realize that just because someone else doesn't see like the value in what you're providing or like your idea doesn't mean that it's not valid and you just got to let it motivate you. Yeah. And like, I'm sorry for you for missing out on this opportunity that I'm giving you. A hundred percent. So when raising money, how important is the concept of smart money? Like, were you really particular about who you were raising from? Well, you know, I had never, I had never started a company before. Um, I didn't have a co-founder. Um, I was really just focused on getting my, my company launched. Um, because I, you know, the, the plan, the strategy that I took around say was not to um, start slow. You know, I wanted to have the right people in place. I wanted the brand to be a, a level of production that was really high. Um, and there was different amounts of money I could raise and I knew I was gonna launch no matter what, but um, I did need to raise money. So. I wasn't so focused on that. Um, maybe definitely in my second round I was, but um, I also think you'll be really surprised at how um, busy your investors are, you know? Yeah. I, I, I send out letters that. and I'm like, anyone going to respond? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, I spend so much time on my quarterly reports and, you know, I get back, great job. I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> so I think I, I remember actually a really experienced um, investor saying to me, take the money and run. Not bad advice, honestly, especially when you're like trying to grow. It's just like you, you need it. You need it. And like, you need it very quickly. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think my advice around raising money is to raise as little as you can, you know, give up as little as your, of your company as you can. Um, you're working really, really hard and you should, um, you know, figure out exactly what that number is so that you can, you know, not get diluted, um, and still be able to have the resources you need. 
I love that piece of advice. Um, I think that there's like two very opposing theories and like, I'm definitely with you, especially in like the product category to raise as little as you possibly can, because I know that in tech, um, a lot of people say that like raise more than you need, but tech is like a different game, I feel like. So I think like, this is like really, really valuable advice for anyone who's going to raise their first round. Um, any books or resources you used while going through this whole process? Um, no. Um, I think for me, the most valuable thing was to stay inspired and energized. Um, I definitely, I was an athlete growing up and I definitely, um, focus on my mental strength and staying in the zone. Um, all the time, you know, I am, I'm in the zone right now. Um, and I'd say two, two things I do a lot is uh, meditation is really important to me. Um, and having that mental strength and peace. So I try to meditate every day. I just posted it on my Instagram. I, I really am loving the meditations on Peloton right now. Um, and then at least once a week, I will take like a two hour walk and listen to how I built this, which I find to be a really incredible and inspirational resource for entrepreneurs, because what it allows you to do is live in the emotion and feeling of, um, having already succeeded, which is really important, um, mentally, um, and, also it also it helps like to see a bigger picture which i think is really important you know it's really easy to say okay um i'm gonna make makeup and i'm gonna be great at makeup and it's like well what's what's going back to what's next how are you inspiring people who are, who are you affecting how are you creating more jobs um and then, and how, and how are you maybe even much, much bigger than just that one idea? Yeah, I love that. And that podcast is awesome. Like I have been able to turn to it. And I remember I listened to this one episode, I think it was with the founders of Brooklyn Inn, and um, they were talking about how they're um, like, they'd like said they were launching and sending like they were taking pre-orders i believe and they were supposed to send all this stuff out to customers and it got stuck at the port and that episode has given me like hope when you know we've had insane inventory delays out of the blue or like you know ups has lost a big shipment run you know what i mean like all those little little things so that podcast is incredible yeah, I, I hope that they know how valuable it is for um, all the new entrepreneurs out there because um, it really is a gift. Yeah, 100%. Um, one question I love asking successful people is actually about their morning routine. So can you share yours? Sure. Um, I laugh because as a mom of two young kids, my morning routine leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> um, I wake up extremely tired because I've been, I, I feed my newborn in the middle of the night. So 
I have not gotten a full night's sleep in over six months, almost seven months. Um, so I wake up really tired around like 6.30 or 7. Um, and then I go downstairs and I make breakfast for my toddler and my husband. I start by making coffee. I didn't used to drink a lot of coffee. I was more of a matcha person. But now that I'm so sleep deprived, I, I definitely look forward to that morning cup. And I, it's an express, it's espresso. So I, I find that my body handles espresso a little bit better than actual coffee. Um, and then I, so I make them breakfast. I try to make my daughter like a really healthy, substantial breakfast. So this morning I made eggs and avocado um, and uh, fruit salad. And then I feed my newborn again. Um, and at that point, it's probably close to eight. And that's when I try to get my um, yoga and meditation in. So I try to do 20 minutes, at least 20 minutes of yoga and uh, 10 minutes of meditation every day. Um, and then after that is when I make my green smoothie, which you've seen me drinking <laughs> during their podcast. Um, it's on my IGTV. I am obsessed with it. It's full of so many raw vegetables and fruit that like my body just like comes alive. Um, and then I will shower and do my two minute makeup for, as we talked about, like I, I love putting on my makeup. It really like sets this, the stage for the day and say is very quick and easy makeup. So it really only takes like two minutes. And then I am at my computer and on calls until six o'clock when I go and hang out with my babies. Yeah, it's, it's a full day. Essentially, you have not two, but three babies because Say is basically a newborn too. I have three babies and they're all very demanding. <laughs> um, well, Lainey, thank you for being here. Tell everyone where they can find you, your Instagram, Say, all of that. Yeah, so... Um, you can find me at Lainey, um, L-A-N-E-Y. I share a lot about what I'm doing to feel good, recipes, meditations. Um, I definitely share a little bit about my kids, um, things that I'm really proud about that we're working on at Say. Um, Say is at Say Beauty. We are having so much fun on social. Definitely come hang out with us. And we are now available at Sephora, um, which is just so exciting. I can't, um, it, it, I smile every time I say it out loud because we've been working on it um, for so long and it's been a lot of work. So we're available on Sephora.com and in every Sephora store in the U.S. and Canada and um, obviously on our own site, sayhello.com. Amazing. Thank you, Lainey. Oh, thank you. 